0: Hello, and welcome to the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast, a podcast that seeks the answer to the question of what are we even doing here from a biblical perspective. My name is Daryl, and I'm not here today with my wife, Karen. I know that many people will be disappointed because they love hearing her and they don't love hearing me, but we're going to change that disappointment because I think you're going to be excited for the guest that we do have because I'm excited because he's a co host of one of my favorite podcasts that is a much listen to each week for me and that is the revived thoughts podcast and his name is Troy Frazier. Troy say hello to everyone today.
1: Hey thank you so much for having me on really appreciate it.
0: No problem thank you for coming on and we're probably going to have this also on the five solos podcast which I recently started co-hosting with James Watkins so we're very grateful that you can be on two shows at one time.
1: Yeah no it's fun.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Um I think the first time I heard about your podcast, I was listening to Theology Gals with uh, Colleen Sharp, and I think Angela Whitehorn was her co-host at the time. Yep. And I, I was very intrigued by the idea, because I like, I like listening to sermons, and I was would often also read sermons. So your podcast, what you guys do is you take old sermons that haven't been recorded, like from a Charles Spurgeon, for example, or a Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and you have people actually record the audio of them basically preaching these sermons. And I think that's a great idea. I'm going to ask you a little bit later how you got that idea. But first, why don't you, you tell the audience maybe a little bit about yourself, where you're from, about your family, or whatever you want to share.
1: Sure. I was raised in Florida. I was raised in, I wouldn't call it a Christian home exactly. Um, we didn't go to church and um, not all believers and the parents and all that. But when I was a little bit older, you know, middle schoolish, high school age, my mom wanted me to go make friends. So she sent me to youth group where she thought I might make some friends. And I did. And I really enjoyed going to youth group. And at the same time, I also loved reading books on politics. I uh, was accidentally given a book by a libertarian named John Sotel. And it was "A 100 Myths You Believe. And I read through it and I was like, whoa, everything I believe is wrong. And I was really fascinated by that. So I started reading all these political books and everything I could get my hands on. And most of them end up being fairly conservative and those books talk about god and christianity and worldviews and values like that all the time and at the same time i was going to church and there's very nice people and they were being my friends and i was like wow there's something to all this and so i feel like i intellectually assented to the gospel at the 14 15 really believed it in my mind but i always say that it took a lot longer to reach my heart i don't think i was till 18 or 19 where it really started to affect the way i was living and what i was thinking at some point god called me to a Bible college in Kansas city. So I packed up, I was no longer doing my political science major and I went to Kansas city and I went to Bible college and it was from there. It was just very clear to me. God wants me to surrender my life, do my thing for him and uh, put him at the head. And I have done that and it has been not always easy, you know, since graduating Bible college, which was an amazing four years and four time, Um I worked with in-home at an in-home facility with at-risk youth and I saw what it was like down there. It was not pleasant. Um, that we had a lot of problems in that kind of work, I think, and a lot of people working hard and not getting uh, and just being discouraged, I think, in that kind of work. And then I went to China for two years. I was a teacher there, um, telling people about God and also just experiencing a lot of different and interesting things on that side of the world. Uh, and then I came back and I worked in the uh, inner city of Miami in a really great school there and really enjoyed it. But I definitely got to experience a lot of, uh, again, hardships and stuff that people go through. And all of that time, I I felt like I learned and asked a lot of questions, but I also feel like God just strengthened my faith. There was nothing that I experienced in any of that that ever made me think, no, our faith is wrong. We've got, we don't have the answers. It's like, no, we really do. But there are a lot of tough questions and it just takes more exploring and looking into it to really understand the heart of God and understand all of that, you know, pain and suffering out there. Uh, after now, currently I am working at a church, really enjoyed doing that. I always wanted to work at a church and God just sent me, I feel like, through a loop to get there. And uh, and I am also going to uh, seminary, so I'm enjoying taking classes and growing in my faith in that way, too. And on the side of top of that, we run Revive Thoughts.
0: Awesome. Uh, what What is your uh, job at the church you're currently at?
1: I, I'm a children's pastor and also a communications pastor, which is mainly, I just kind of do bulletins and, and Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. But I also teach the kids and, uh, and, you know, prepare for them and try to help connect families and stuff like that.
0: That's awesome. And it sounds like, a big adventure that you've already had in in your life you know going to China then working yeah. with inner, inner city and you know you said you, you've you've seen a lot of a lot of stuff and i I think that sometimes helps bolster our faith you know because yeah. you know when when you see things that you, you see real life happening and, and people that don't have a lot and some people would be like oh well there's no god because of this but I, I think when, when we have true faith, when our hearts regenerate, we have nowhere else to go but God in those situations. Did, I would,
1: yeah, I would definitely agree with that, and also it's really interesting, but China really helped me believe in God in a way that like I always did, but I just really became certain of Him there, partially because it was such a hard place to live that you just you had to put your faith in Him to trust every day. but also, I could literally see like the dichotomy of two like of two giant, maybe three giant worldviews. I could see atheism at its strongest in the communist china and obviously it's a very uh terrible system that they live under and it, it's painful it hurts people more than we ever could realize um and it just stifles creativity and it crushes so many things and so that's atheism like at its highest i would argue mm-hmm. and on the other side of it too we would uh we lived in a very rural not a rural part but a very um a traditional part and so we would also see a lot of the Mythologies and superstitions, and we would see people going to temples and they would leave out, you know, they would do all those kind of old traditional uh, Buddhist or Hindu or whatever things that they were doing. And in a lot of ways, that was actually really powerful too, because you could see how empty it was, if that makes sense, the rituals and stuff that they were doing on the one hand. And then they would just, you know, you, you wouldn't learn about their personal lives and learn how they treated their children or their wives, or you'd learn all these other things on the other hand. It's like, but this person you know, attempts to be very devout, you would never step on a caterpillar, but uh, but I've seen how he treats his children, and I know that it's not very good, and so it was interesting to see the fruit of, like, almost both, because in America, we don't see paganism on display like that, like, we, like I was able to see there, you know, so sometimes people might say, oh, the God of the Bible is not all that different than the other, you know, Middle Eastern gods, and it's all the same, blah, 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 and if you don't have the having that worldview where it's like no i've seen actually what that looks like and our god is nothing like that like there's a very stark contrast between people worshiping in a temple and what we do to god it's definitely different as night and day and it's also definitely different than atheism at its height And so i was very much encouraged to see the the, those two players at work and then what little bit we got to do with the the underground church and seeing the differences it was again clear as night and day
0: wow that that's amazing, and and that that again helps strengthen your testimony when you're sharing the gospel. Even probably here in the states, you know, you can use that as an example. Especially what you just said to me, I never even thought about that. Like we see, you know, unbelievers here or people that worship other gods, but we don't see it as fully on display as as you got to. That's that's yeah. a tremendous blessing. So so you go from that and and all that you've been through, and then you're like, hey, let's start a podcast about old sermons is is that what gave you the idea or what exactly gave you guys the idea to to take these old sermons and get them out there it, what comes to my mind is you know romans 10 uh, 17 faith comes from hearing hearing by the word of christ and that's what i think of when i listen to your podcast so what cool. what gave you the uh, the idea
1: so it's kind of two different things we're kind of linked together but the first was i way back in the day six or seven years ago i uh, bought a book I thought it was going to be like an autobiography on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I was very curious about him. I wanted to learn more about this guy. I'd written, um, read his book. Oh, uh, my goodness. Which, well, he has two like famous books. What was it? about discipleship or something. No, community, community living. Ah. Anyway, I read that book. Obviously, it made such an impact on me. I can't remember the name of it. But I was curious at the time about his autobiography. And so I picked it up. And when I got home, I realized I didn't actually. And I had bought a stack of books. You know, I was at a Christian bookstore. I was getting excited and I, I bought a stack of books and I actually hadn't bought his autobiography. I'd, I had purchased just a, like a works compilated and it wasn't even his actual works. It was just like sections of them. And most of them were just sermons. I mean, like 80% of the thing was sermons. I was frustrated. I was like, what a waste. So mm-hmm. I threw it in my car and I was like, forget it. I probably won't ever read it. And I didn't think I would, but I eventually got a job where I drove around a lot. So I'd sit down and wait. So I was like, okay, I'll read the book during that time. And I really enjoyed them. I was like, these sermons are great. And they always came with these little captions, like, this sermon was preached right before Hitler was inaugurated, and this sermon was preached right before this. And I try to imagine myself in that situation. Like if I was in Berlin and there was, you know, Nazis marching through the streets on Friday night, and they get in this big brawl with communists and brown shirts, and they're beating each other. And the whole city's on fire. Like, it, it just feels like, not literally, but you just feel like the whole city is going crazy. And then you show up on church on Sunday, and everyone's scared. and You get up there and go, don't be afraid. And we don't have to be afraid of anything. God is going to take care of us. And in fact, we should live in boldness. And I'm going to, and you'll see. And I was just like, wow, you know, that's mm. crazy that he would do that on a Sunday. I don't think I would. I feel like most of us we get behind the, the pulpit and go, this country is going crazy. This, everything's going wrong. You guys are immoral. It's getting bad. And he didn't do that. He really encouraged his congregation to get in there and keep fighting. And so that, that kind of sprouted the idea of me, you know, first dealing with uh, old sermons. A couple of years later, I'm in China and I live on the other side of the world from everybody. So everyone I would message or talk to, you know, falls asleep. And then I'm going through my day with no one to message, nothing to do online literally like the social media Facebook and stuff would just kind of stop at around like 11 in the morning so there's nothing new online so I started reading these old books I was like I'm just going to read books that change the world so I read like uh really good books Confessions by St. Augustine uh Martin Luther's Bondage of the Will really good one really recommend uh, and I also read some really bad books like the Communist Manifesto and Thomas Paine's The Age of Reason I just wanted to read books that change the world and understand their perspectives I read Nietzsche stuff like that. And, and I was really impressed with them, but it made me think like, what about sermons that have changed the world? You know, we, we so focus on what's new and what's the latest sermons in our podcast and iTunes and whatever that we don't ever go backwards and check out the old stuff. And I, that just, those two things kind of came together. I pitched it to Joel. He was in, and in 2017, we started designing the show and what we wanted it to look like. And we worked on it behind the scenes for like two years, finally launched it in May of 2019. And it, and it just, actually I would love to say it just took off from there but actually it had a bit of a slow start there was a little while where we're like maybe nobody does because we had a lot of conversations and people were like uh you know people were like that's an interesting idea I don't know that too many people actually care about this and I was like I hear you I know I know where you're coming from but I really think if they can hear them they will want to hear them because you know I could tell you I always use this illustration every interview but I say uh, it makes sense it's just if I told you hey we're gonna go uh, read the script for the latest you know movie that's coming out maybe it's Marvel or Star Wars gonna go read that script you're gonna go I I mean okay I, I might go do that but it's not something I'm gonna really want to do but if I can tell you hey we can go to the movies and watch it you're like yeah that sounds fun I'll go watch a movie with you okay I can do that and it's the same with these sermons it's like yeah I understand why people are hesitant to maybe read some of these old sermons I get that but when we clean up the language we kind of modernize it and you can listen to it I really think that that truth gets conveyed in a way that reading it sometimes doesn't catch you. Um, I edit the sermons. I read the sermons. And yet when I'm listening to them, sometimes I'm like, whoa, I totally missed that when I was just reading it. I don't know how I did. And so I really, I really think that the truth just shines through these things.
0: Yeah. what, What I love about it is you guys talk about the history of them before, before you even hear the sermon and you get like the context exactly what you're saying before the context of what was going on in these in these pastors and preachers lives and how that affected them and, and they just stayed true to the scripture and i think too like when you're listening to these it could be something that's preached nowadays and that reaffirms that the truth of god is timeless like you you can you can listen to these sermons. And if you didn't even give a history of them or say who was preaching them and we just heard them preached, we'd be like, that's a current preacher preaching right now because these things are just as timeless and truthful today as they were back then.
1: No, it's so true. It's actually, it it blows my mind actually that that's true too. Like I, when I read them at first, I was like, this is a weird, like how relevant this still feels to our walk right now. Like I remember uh, there's one that's specifically, and it's not that old per se, but DL Moody is preaching And he's complaining about these four things that he he sees his congregation doing instead of taking their walk with God seriously. He's like, you guys are too busy on entertainment. You guys are too distracted by sexuality. You guys spend way too much time reading the newspapers. And you guys spend too much time um, just having pleasure going to the parks and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, we don't spend all our days maybe reading newspapers or going to the parks. But if you distill that to what he's actually saying. You spend too much time on movies and Netflix. Yeah, you betcha. You spend too much time um just having fun and not caring about your consequences. Yeah, you betcha. You spend too much time on the news. Oh, yeah, we still do that. And we spend too much time obsessing over sexuality. Absolutely. It's like, it's amazing how 140 years later, the exact same complaint could be nailed to the church and be it's still just as true today. And that's not just true for D.L. Moody's complaint with America. It is true of all of these sermons. It's like, wow, this is the same thing. And it's very comforting on the one hand to know that, like, no, the sermons that we, the preachers we look up to, the theologians we love were preachers first and the things they saw in their congregation, you still see today. I find it comforting to know that the church, we always say, oh, the church is so bad today. America's church is so bad. It's like, actually, no, this is a very normal thing that believers have been struggling with. And also we can overcome it because look at these great men who preached these sermons. They did overcome it. And if we want to emulate Christ, let's look to church history and learn from these kind of people. You know, we do the context because I think it helps put the per, the show in perspective, but I also, it inspires you. I learn so much by listening to the stories of these men, hearing about how Hudson Taylor went into the middle of China during the Taiping Rebellion, the fourth bloodiest thing that ever happened in history. And he he went and preached there and a cannonball almost took off his head and he sent it back to his mom. He's like, hey, this cannonball almost took off my head while I was preaching. Whoa, that's crazy. Or, uh, you know, Christmas Evans, who lost an eye because he he changed so much for God that his friend snuck up and beat him down and and he literally lost an eye. I mean, just the the Christopher love was locked in his attic by his dad because his dad didn't like that. He was going to church and he was changing too much. Mm -hmm. I mean, these dudes really gave their all for God. And I go, man, it really encourages me to keep going. I I could go on and on. I love it. It's crazy to me.
0: No. And that's, Another reason I love listening is because you hear these inspirational stories from these these guys and some of them I've never even heard of before and then you just hear how God used them and they they weren't preaching at the time when it could be recorded so they weren't looking to get famous around the world they were just looking to preach Christ and him crucified Yeah,
1: there's literally a sermon we have coming out. I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm so sorry. There's sermon we have coming out by Charles Spurgeon, and he literally looks. He's he's talking to his congregation. He goes, "There, where's the Whitfield of our generation? Like, where is he? We don't have any men that will ever raise to a level of Whitfield. We don't have preachers like that anymore. We don't have people telling the truth. And the irony is, I'm reading it 150 years later. I'm like, Spurgeon, you blew Whitfield out of the water, dude. Like, you're way more famous." (laughs) than he ever was but the irony was he doesn't know that the guy he's asking for is himself
0: <laughs> yeah that's 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 crazy that's crazy well we're going to take a, a short break and we're going to hear from uh, a commercial from one of the other podcasts in the christian podcast community revived thoughts is on the christian podcast community but we'll be right back
1: Hey, this is Troy. Have you ever thought about how many sermons have never been listened to because they were never recorded because they came out before recordings? On our podcast, Revive Thoughts, we take the roughly 1900 years of sermons and try to bring them back to life. We talk about the history, we talk about the setting, and every week we have a different speaker deliver these sermons for us to listen to once again. So this is your chance to listen to sermons by people like Calvin by people like Spurgeon, by people like Knox, and maybe some people you've never heard of, like Johann Tauler or Alexander White. Let us live
0: and move and have our being and deal with men as if a dying, risen intercede. See
1: poor Lazarus in his full frightening misery and behind him Christ. The hand cannot alone deliver man. The body must call. You can find Revive Thoughts on any podcast, app, or player that you have and at ReviveThoughts.com. We hope you learn something new and grow closer to God.
0: I'm here with Troy Frazier from Revive Thoughts. And if you haven't listened to Revive Thoughts, definitely check them out. And I'm just going to ask him a few more questions. And this question is pretty deep. It's, Troy, how have you grown spiritually over the time that you've been producing this podcast, recording these sermons, digging into uh, the history behind them? How have you seen any spiritual growth in your life just from doing that?
1: Absolutely. No, I, I really, I. There's the number of ways, honestly, that these things have encouraged me. There's like the very direct encouragement. Each sermon is about a topic or a passage of scripture, and I always feel encouraged when i listen to them and hear them or editing them and reading them i'm always like wow i didn't think of it that way before you know we get caught i think in a bit of a bubble here in the 21st century of you know almost everybody you probably listen to is from america or you know at least the west and it's in the 21st century there's nothing wrong with that i'm not i'm not hating on that at all but it's really cool when you can get a perspective from somebody who's from the 1500s and he's preaching this in the middle of the reformation or he's from uh you know the 1700s and he's in like you know colonial america i mean these guys have perspectives on truth and they have experiences. Uh, they've lived through the black plague. They've lived through the civil war. They've lived through world war one. Like they've been through things that we can't we'll never live through. Right. And so going through that, they see God and they see a relationship with him a little bit different. You can hear that in their sermons. So I just feel like I'm constantly being edified by that. That's like the direct content. Then there's like another side of it where I, I mentioned I'm going to seminary. I love seminary. I'm learning a ton there too, mm. but doing all the church history and the research and the stuff for this show, I feel like I'm literally getting like a second seminary education. You know, I went to Bible college. I really enjoyed it. And I learned a lot there. I definitely got a good track of mind there, but I will say church history was really neglected. I feel like, and, and learning just how strong our faith is, learning just what these martyrs and these men went through learning how they have stood up to tyranny, how they have stood up to disease, how they have lost children, lost wives, lost so many things. For the sake of the gospel and, and just pursuing that, it realized, it makes me realize like, wow, I need to be serious about my faith. And another cool side effect of this, and, and we talk about the suffering these guys go through a lot too, but another cool side effect of studying these guys is that they uh, – they, 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 you said it a little bit. They didn't know they were going to be famous. So many of these guys – I remember J.C. Ryle, he was preparing sermons for 10 years. No one had known where he was. He was preaching in a backwater town. He was just saving up the sermons in case he ever needed to make them in the pamphlets. I, me, year eight. I'm like, why am I doing this? Nobody's going to read these. These are never going to be pamphlets. Like why am I still wasting my time, leaving my family, my sick wife and my kids to go do this. And yet we know his name today because he did that preparation. He was ready so that when the time came for him to spread the gospel and get his sermons and get his work out there, he was able to make that move. And there's so many of these things where these guys were quietly faithful with a quiet congregation or, you know, they're not all Spurgeon, where at 22 they burst onto the scene and they were already at a huge church. Like a lot of these guys quietly did day in, day out work, but they did it with excellence and they really trusted Christ and they went over and above. Okay. And John Calvin, probably part of the, he's famous in the institutes, but part of the reason he was so strong in his faith was probably because he was preaching like nine times a week, some weeks. I mean, every other week, nine times a week, that's a lot of interaction with the word. That's a lot of Mm studying plus Bible studies, plus, all this normal stuff i mean that's going to get you in there with god and it really encourages me like don't waste time and there's a verse in ecclesiastes you know we don't normally build our lives on ecclesiastes but there's a verse in there i wish i could tell you which you know the numbers i apologize but it just says you do work during the day you do work during the night you don't know which one will be profitable the work during the day the work during the night or both and that's to me i feel like i okay i work my job at home i do seminary i'm doing these things but i have this other work too where i'm studying these church historians i'm growing from them i don't know if any of these will be successful or all of them but i'm going to be putting my hands that till and taking that extra time to get in there i feel like a lot of us we go work on nine to five and then we call it right we're like okay i'm done or maybe we serve at the church a little bit too but we're not really putting in that extra time i'm like no i really think we should be working in the day working something at night and you don't know which one's going to be successful for the kingdom and maybe not physically work work but it could be doing something right you need to be constantly pushing yourself to grow because you don't know what it is that you will what will be successful in your life what you will be known for and more and more importantly what will make the most difference to the kingdom and it might you know i for me i think a lot of us would just at night we kind of chill down we relax we surf the internet we do whatever and i sometimes think we should be turning that time towards more of a holy endeavor so that's something i've been deeply encouraged by and lastly these guys spoke with such boldness i can't i cannot quantify how different it is like we said these sermons sound like sermons today they do But there's also a level where they really don't. There is so much boldness in the way they preach. John Newton, famous for the song Amazing Grace, had a sermon that came out before the song Amazing Grace. And the sermon is great. It it, it pairs well. It's an amazing exegesis of 1 Chronicles 17. It's very interesting. But he ends it with this line where he's like, and by the way, the axe is coming to cut down the trees, and those who are not of God will be tossed into the fire. If you are not of God, make sure you get right with God now. That's such a—I've never heard a any pastor ever in the sermon like, "Hey, by the way, some of y'all are going to get chopped down, and it's going to be—it's going to be brutal. Get with right with God." But that would be amazing. Um, wow. Charles Spurgeon in that same sermon where he's looking for George Whitfield goes. So many people in London say they're Christian, but I know they're not. You know how I know? I read the newspaper and look at the crime stats. They're so terribly high. If you were all Christians, the crime wouldn't be so high. So some of you guys are criminals and you're not Christian. I'm like, what? Wow. Imagine a, a modern you know, mega preacher getting up and telling his congregation to 5,000 that. Not even, not even sweating. Not even batting an eye at it. Like This is just how they talk to their congregation. And that they're not demeaning them. It's just right. they believe what they believe, and they don't apologize for it. They don't try to sugarcoat it. They don't apologize for it. They just get up there and say, this is the truth. Take it or leave it. And I love that about them, and I, I really think that that boldness is missing. And, and, I, and ironically, the reason we care and know what these guys think is because of their boldness. I'm sure there were lots of pastors that were like, well, I don't want you know, to say anything to rock the boat. I don't, they don't end up on Revived Thoughts. I don't remember them. Their sermons are, you know, they're forgotten. It's these guys who were bold and audacious who get remembered, whose sermons we still care about today.
0: Right, and and at the time, they were probably like not looked upon as bold in the way that we look upon them now. Now, now they're like our heroes, but at the time, there was probably people that wanted to kill them, like (laughs) wanted them to to shut up. But now,
1: now I. Literally, with John Knox, I mean, John Bradford did get burned. Mm -hmm. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, obviously, you know, he had the Hitler assassination thing. Okay. But I mean, several of these guys ended up killed, ended up dead because Mm -hmm. of what they were preaching from the pulpit. Um, John Knox literally went to jail. John Bunyan got sent to jail for open air preaching. Mm -hmm. And they said, hey, you know, we don't want to keep you in jail forever. And you were preaching through the bars of the jail, which was causing problems. Do you you want to go? We're going to let you go and he goes sorry and until that law changes you'll just put me back in jail the next day so why why are we gonna waste the effort of sending me out mm-hmm. you, until you in this whole open air preaching thing i'm just gonna be back here tomorrow and jails back then weren't exactly nice i mean they were terrible <laughs> terrible jails no sunlight no time outdoors you know you're stuck in there in the midst of just sick people everywhere all over the place and in castle despair if you've ever read pilgrim's progress i mean that's probably what jail was probably like for him It was, oh man and yet mm. again He's just so bold. He doesn't care. And, that, and that's all these guys. They don't – it's not they don't care about their con- – they care about their congregation so much that they want to tell the truth to them more than they want to like them, That they have them like them. That's what I notice about them. They're not worried about whether or not they're liked or anything like that. They're just worried about telling them the truth. And it's not too – like some people say, yeah, we use too much technology. No, like these guys are on top of technology. J.C. Ryle is on top of pamphlets hudson taylor in the most recent sermon we're talking with him he's he's like you he's like why is the gospel not taking hold of the world in china like we've never seen before we have the telegram we have the steam engine there's nothing that can stop us we can move the gospel at the speed of you know sound and i'm like wow 140 years later what would he say right (laughs) like
0: That's crazy. But what I appreciate is that you do dig into that history and, and talk about the situation and the boldness, because I think that's a lack of many Christians nowadays, unless you go to seminary or really dig into it yourself, you're not getting church history. And it's so important to know where our brothers and sisters came from, how how we got the faith passed down to us today and to know the situations, the persecutions that were faced, especially here in the West, you know, where you you see, you know, evangelicalism and, and the the modern Western church with, you know, not really being persecuted like that and and not having a true sense of, of what Christians have done before us. Yes. In some senses it is a blessing that we don't have that persecution, but Mm -hmm. that's, that's where faith can, can grow even more. And and where revival tends to happen in the face of persecution. So I, I appreciate that you, you guys are making this content with these old sermons that need to be heard and also giving that history lesson as well. But what do you see for the future of the of the podcast? Do you see expanding to anything else, maybe video or, or any other kind of history? What do you see coming in the future?
1: Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things we would love to do, obviously we work full time jobs and we're very busy and we're you mm-hmm. know we're families and all that I have two kids. so there are difficulties like that, but there there we really could I, I don't wanna maybe I'm gonna sound a little pompous a little arrogant. I feel like the sky's the limit for some air in some ways for this um for starters right now, we put out one episode a week. I would love for us to get enough speakers and enough people working and and everyone's a volunteer. We have over forty sermons we have you know ten that are waiting to be published. That are in the schedule, and all of these people are just different voices, different people from around the world who have volunteered to bring these sermons to life. It's really incredible that they do this. You know, they're getting paid as much as we are, which is nothing, pretty much. Uh, and, and it's amazing. We we really appreciate them doing that, and helping us in that way. So, uh but if we, I would love for us to get to a point where we have enough speakers that we could do two a week or three a week, because there's so many sermons. Just Spurgeon sermons alone, you could spend a lifetime translating all of them. I mean, he preached like. I want to say 10 times a week. So good luck catching all up with all of those. And there's just so much content. There's, I mean, there's 1800 years or so between the end of the church era, you know, the, sorry, the biblical era to the 1900s when they start hitting the radios and even some of those, I mean, people like Jay Gresham Machin's in the 1930s and we don't have his stuff There's so much that we need to get recorded. And, and then that doesn't even include the fact that I would love to take, um, there's a lot of interesting stuff I would like to do with Radio evangelists. some of the old guys that have been kind of forgotten, too. They have a lot of interesting content that I, we also have kind of begun to tinker with, but we're not yet ready to commit full-time to it. But we've done a few things with them. There's definitely stuff we would like to go into and do there. There's other stuff, too. We're actually, um, for our Patreon supporters, we're starting, and it'll probably make it out to the other supporters, but uh, to the regular listeners. But it'll be delayed enough that the Patreon people feel, you know, they're getting it special. But um, we're we're building these history episodes. We're gonna be doing like literally a thirty to minute to an hour long. I have no idea how long it's gonna be. It's gonna be very long, in depth look at the uh, Salem witch trials and just digging through what happened. What do because there's lots of secular historians that have ch- that that tackled that part of history, but not a lot of Christians have dealt with the fact that like these are Christians. They believe they were witches. What do we Christians think about this? And what does this mean for us now? And what would you do if you were in the same situation as them? Because it's easy to look back in history and go, those guys, what are they doing burning people? Which is, that's crazy. But I think people will be really interested in the way we tackle it. And again, from a Christian biblical perspective where it's like, hey, you know, we believe things that most historians don't, like God is real. So with that perspective, how do we deal with these kind of situations? So there's things like that that we're working on. Um, and again, and this is one show that we do, Joel and I have other ideas for a couple other shows that we think are are just as revolutionary i would say and again we're not trying to sound popular but just as revolutionary and exciting as revive thoughts it's just a, actually of all these ideas revive thoughts was the easiest to start with so we went there but we have a couple other shows that in some theoretical grand future where we have a lot of listeners and supporters and people helping us out we could drop a few other kind of shows like this too
0: that's awesome i'm i'm excited to to listen to those whatever content you're putting out because <laughs> if, if you have as much energy as you put into what you're already doing, like I'm looking forward to this, the Salem Witch Trials. Sounds very intriguing because, you know, maybe you learn a little bit about it in, in school, but you, yeah, you know, you only get like one perspective of it. So, be well,
1: I feel like with the Salem Witch Trials, we get this perspective. Like, look at these dumb Puritan Christians. Yeah. In witches believe in magic is real, and blah blah blah. blah <laughs> right? We're so much more enlightened than them. And look, I, I mean, look, I'm not worried I'm gonna get a hex put on me by a witch, it's not how mm-hmm. I perceive, perceive the world. But right. as Christians, we never really get a chance to answer that question. And that's the first episode we're gonna do. The second episode we're gonna do, I almost don't even want to say it because I don't want somebody to steal this idea mm-hmm. of what it is. And maybe I will keep my lips, I'll keep my lips. But let me tell you, it's a yeah. part of her history that I promise you, you are really curious about. But you've okay. never actually probably read. I hadn't read it till I read about it by accident the other day. It is the fungus <laughs> piece of church history that we're just all ignoring and not and not purposeful. There's no like intention behind it. We just don't think about it. And when that second episode drops and you and you, you get a chance, I, mean, I, I think people are going to go, "Oh my gosh!" Like I didn't know that was going on over there. Wow.
0: Yeah. Now I'm intrigued. <laughs> Like, so has- I, I
1: I uh I, 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 get. I hope I'm not coming to call like ar- arrogant, like you dummies don't know. But no, it's not yeah. that. I find this stuff so exciting. When I did the research on that episode, I was like, I was on a Wikipedia hunt for like three and a half hours. Did all these, and then when I was done, <laughs> I was just like, I feel like I learned so much. Where was this in my church? Like, where was this in church history class?
0: Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, because there's so many things to cover. Like, if if you don't hear about it, you you don't think about it. But if you're bringing it out and. You know, it's important that, that we hear these things. So definitely praying for you and looking forward to that. So we've heard about the future. You, you do this podcast right now where you're, you're, you're sharing the gospel through old sermons from the past, giving church history. So I'm going to ask you now, faith comes from hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Will you share the gospel with our listening audience?
1: Absolutely, and by the way, if you are the type of person, maybe you're an evangelist, you're looking for new ways to share. I have not done this, but I really think some of the sermons that we do would make great evangelistic tracks. You know, maybe mm-hmm. you're in the coffee shop, drop it through someone's AirPlay. Like right? they leave something open, just toss it into their computer. Charles Spurgeon's compelled them to come in. Just see what happens. Tell me if that works. I've always thought I'm like some of these sermons were evangelistic sermons used by Christians to bring people to Christ. I feel like these sermons could still bring people to Christ. I don't know. Give it a try. Let me know how you guys do. But for me sharing the gospel i'll use the podcast kind of as perspective but um the art faith is old it is so old and yet it stays and rings true through 1900 years you know and before we ever could listen to something on the radio people were preaching the same faith the same god they may have seen him a little bit different but it's the same god of the bible and they are believing in him and he is changing lives people were once criminals, and now they are faithful gospel preachers. People were once taking from the world, and they are giving now. They're loving Jesus. In my own life, I, I, it's a night and day difference. I said that earlier. It's a night and day difference. I was a kind of guy who was very self-involved. I was not. I didn't make a lot of friends, didn't see a lot of the need for friends, was very shy, was very nervous. A lot of things were one way. And when God left being an intellectual part of my life, something I believe, okay, yeah, God made the world. That makes sense. I, I, I believe that worldview. When it became something that touched my heart where I realized like, no, I've got to live for him. I've got to surrender to him. Everything changed. And the person I am now could not even recognize that person before. And it's not a me, man. It is of God, his love for me, the way he has died on that cross for me. If you want to experience that, too, you've got to put your trust in the God of the Bible. He tells you that you are sinful. It's not pleasant to hear, but it is true. You know it's true in your heart. And you look at the Bible and you know that, well, how am I supposed to know him? You know him by believing on the cross believing that his son, Jesus Christ, died for you. He's the only way to heaven. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's the only way you're going to get there. There's no other way. I've been to China. I've seen the rituals. I've seen the temples. I know where atheism goes. And it's just, there's nothing else out there for you. There's And there's nothing else that's going to give you hope and joy like our faith does. There's nothing that comes even close. And yeah, it's not always easy, but the, the, the life you will live after you have accepted Christ, after you know Christ. Is so different from the one you had before. You will you will blink and go, well, who was that person? I don't even recognize him anymore. And yet, that doesn't mean we're sinless. We're still struggling. We are still in a human body, but we know that there's a hope someday that he's coming back and it will be different. And we cannot wait to see what that's like. Join us in that. Um, and if you don't believe me, check out Church History. Check time, check with pastors and meet with some churches and see realize there's a sameness despite the fact that all these people are different different ages different races different people different backgrounds yet there's something that binds us together and makes us joyful and brings love into our hearts and if you don't see that in a church go to a different church because that church you're going to is probably the wrong one you need to go to the right one and that is just a couple minutes of what i think you know the gospel is it's 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 the bible i could go on and on so i'm gonna stop myself
0: Amen, Troy. Amen. Thank you for that. And thank you for coming on uh, the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast slash Five Soulless podcast. We'll probably put this episode on both of them. Uh, and also everybody out there listening, check out all the podcasts in the Christian podcast community, uh, christianpodcastcommunity.org. Go to com and check out all of the episodes you haven't listened to yet, you won't regret it. It's one of my favorite podcasts. I make I'm not just saying that because he's on the show. It is I make sure I listen to it each week because cause I'm learning. I'm growing in faith just because of of what's being preached. And you will hear passionate people preaching these these sermons from the old and it, it'll be applicable to you today just as it was back when it was preached. So listen to Revive Thoughts. Check out Joel and Troy and check out what are we even doing here and five solas wherever we can be found on podcast catchers we're also on facebook and all the social media outlets that are available so uh, until next time keep sinking the kingdom of god and continue to find out what we are even doing here and living to the glory of god alone grace and peace and also drive safe
1: I remember when you messaged me, I was like, oh, this is Daryl. That dude was tweeting us back when we had like 10 followers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, cool.